Good morning, everyone. Welcome uh, to Church in the Valley. We're really glad that you guys are are here to uh, worship uh, with us this morning. We're continuing a message series that we started a few weeks ago called Epic Story. And we've been looking at some of the main characters in the Bible and some themes found in those stories and with the characters and kind of tying what has God done in history and how does that relate uh, to us today. And so we're continuing uh, on that this morning. And if you've missed uh, any of the weeks and you're interested in catching up, you can always listen to messages online at churchinthevalley.com and you click on the Alhambra campus and you can uh, find the, the place to listen to those. But I do want to catch us up just briefly on kind of where we've been and then where we're heading. And so you can kind of catch up a little bit as well. We started uh, the series uh, looking at the person of Jesus Christ on Easter and how him coming into the world really changed history and gave us hope. And that's why we celebrate Easter, the fact that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. And what you're going to find throughout this series is that things keep uh, looking forward to Jesus that happened before he came. And then things uh, look back at Jesus coming after he came. And that's kind of one of the things that you find in scriptures, this, that Jesus is like the main character. He, he shows up in prophecies that predicted he was coming uh, he shows up in writings that talked about the life that he lived after he came. And so part of what we're doing in this series, you're going to kind of keep seeing Jesus Christ appear in different themes. And that's part of the story that the Bible uh, is telling. And we, so we started with this a story that resonates, talking about Jesus coming and how that, that gives hope uh, to all of us. So the second week, uh, we called it Grand Opening, and we covered the creation and how God creating humans gave us uh, special significance uh, in contrast to the rest of creation because we were made in his image and he gave us a certain responsibility in the world. And so we talked about that. And then the week after we talked about uh, how everything kind of fell apart because of sin. And the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God and go their own way, uh, just like all of us have done. And because of sin, it's kind of stained the story that that God was telling, uh, but that's why we began with the person of Jesus, because even though sin entered the world, Jesus Christ came so that it wouldn't be held against us. And so we talked about there's hope even after things got messed up. And then last week we talked about the life of Abraham, and uh, it's called Chosen But Struggling, and kind of what, what do you do in life to pick up the pieces with, with sin, and then how do you hold on to the promises of God kind of in the midst of trying to see him uh, come through. And so we're going to kind of continue uh, in like the continuation after Abraham. And if you've read the Bible much, you know, like in the beginning of the Bible, there's the book of Genesis. And just in that one book is so much history. And there's so many stories and there's so many components of characters and things happening. So, so far, we've just been in that book. Today, we're going to move from Genesis to the book of Exodus. And we're going to talk from the time of Abraham and we're going to connect to the life of Moses. But from that period, there's actually uh, quite a few years and different characters. And so I just kind of want to summarize uh, what kind of has happened in between that so we can get to the, the life of Moses. So like we covered last week, Abraham was given a promise and a blessing from God saying that that I'm going to bless you and all the people of the world, all the generations of the world will be blessed through you. And so there was this idea of. The, your people will be as numerous as the stars. And so Abraham was given this promise. But this happened without having any children 
And then God provided a child. And then he was given this test to sacrifice this one promise back to God. And we talked about kind of the theme of of sacrifice as well. And so what happened is just like God had told Abraham, the people came together and they multiplied and the people of God, the Israelites began to grow. And there were about 70 descendants when a terrible famine hit the land that they were in. They were in the land of Canaan. And so as you can imagine, they had been told that they were going to be blessed and God was going to work through them. And their numbers had grown to to 70 and this terrible famine hit that kind of threatened their existence. And it's, this is one of the famines like, you, you know, in those times, you don't just go to a store and if they're out of food, you go to the next store. There was crops that were destroyed and there was no food to be had. And so they decided we need to actually travel from where we are in Canaan. We need to go to Egypt to see if we can find some food and find the resources so our people uh, can survive. And in a kind of a bunch of different circumstances and events of, of God working things out, there was actually somebody in Egypt called Joseph, who was the great grandson of Abraham. And so you can see this connection. Joseph is in Egypt and he's a person of influence in Egypt. And he actually, because of his influence, even though Egypt is a foreign land, he uses his influence to provide uh, for the Israelites and they're able to gain food and kind of start this new life in Egypt. And so you can imagine they were promised blessing. Their people had multiplied famine hits. The blessing starts to look a little bit thin. Like, I don't know how this is going to happen. They travel. There's an inconvenience of going to this foreign country. They serve foreign gods. They believe different things. They have all sorts of different priorities. But that's where the food was. That's where their survival was going to happen. And so the people under Joseph's hand and his provision began to thrive again in Egypt. And what happened over time is the Egyptians began to notice that these Israelites who initially we came and because of Joseph's influence, they accepted the Israelites in Egypt. But what they began to notice as kind of things progress is that these Israelites were were multiplying and they were getting more and more people added to their to their to their families and more and more families were being added in just this expansion of the Israelites in Egypt. What began to happen is Joseph died and they forgot how Joseph who was an Israelite himself, had provided for the Egyptian, had provided for the Israelites. And the Egyptians began to get nervous of their expansion and thought, if these people who are foreigners are living with us and they keep expanding and growing, we need to actually kind of turn their power against them and allow them to work for us. And so if you've ever wondered why the Israelites ended up in Egypt, this is like a brief, really brief story of of Lots of history in one, okay? So if you're a history buff, you're going to want to read Genesis going into the book of Exodus, okay? But what happened is Joseph died, the Egyptians got nervous, and they began to think, okay, these people, they're not just going to come in and live with us. We are actually going to put them to work for us. Since they're expanding, they're going to help us expand, and we're going to put them to work. And so they became slaves. And the reason I bring that up is that's an important part, because as we talk about the life of Moses... Uh, He was the key character in God wanting to relieve and to rescue his people, the Israelites, from this yoke of slavery. And that's today's message. It's this idea of, of rescue and how does God rescue his people based on the promises that he's given. And so the Israelites are in this foreign land. They're in Egypt under terrible circumstances. And you could imagine them wondering like, okay, our people have expanded 
But right now, we thought blessing was going to come because that's what was told to us because of our great-grandfather and great-grandfather, Abraham. They were looking back and thinking, is this where blessing is? We're in Egypt. We're slaves and life is just terrible. And they were under these terrible conditions. And what happens is God raises up Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And that's actually this idea of exodus. They're, they're exiting the land of Egypt to the land that, that God has promised them. And so I want to pick up the story and kind of talk about how this is significant and what this means for us today. And the first point is that what you find is that God, he keeps his promises from generation to generation. That's a very important theme in the scriptures. The reason that's important is because what was told to Abraham was carried on to his sons. What was told to his sons was carried on to his sons and continuing and continuing. And those very promises that God gave to Abraham, we claim those promises today. And so this idea of God keeping his promises is very important. As you investigate God and you investigate what it means to follow Jesus Christ, as you walk with God and you try to figure out what that means in your own life, you have to know that the God you follow is a trustworthy God. That's very important. If you're not sure God is trustworthy or you're not sure that he will keep his word, then we're a lot more suspect to to follow him, to do what he says. And so what you find in scripture again and again is God is showing his people and all the people that follow him, that he can be trusted, that he stays true to his word. And so he's raised up Moses and he kind of speaks to Moses as someone who, remember, I have promised this blessing for you and the generations to follow. And so I'm going to raise you up to relieve this, my people out of this slavery. And so I'm picking up in Exodus six, and this is a beginning of God's commands to Moses. And he says, but the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. The Pharaoh is the leader. He's like the, the king of, of Egypt. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Before this, in Exodus 6, the calling of Moses, you can imagine, was an interesting um, kind of story in itself. And Moses was given this task of taking the people out of Egypt. And Moses himself, through a bunch of other circumstances, which I don't have to go into, was actually like an adopted son of the Pharaoh. So he himself had influence in Egypt as well. And he knew the Egyptians. He knew their strength. He knew their numbers. He knew their, their ruthlessness against the Israelites. And God came and said, Moses, I am raising you up to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses says something like, well, you, like, you know, find, find somebody else, God. Like, I, I can't speak that well, and I don't really want this job, and I, I don't really see this as being kind of a part of my life. And despite the things that Moses objected to, he, he realized that once God says you're, you're going to do something, like, you're going to do it. And so he kind of was putting up this argument and kind of trying to defend that this is not a good idea. I'm not your guy, God. Find, find somebody else. But God, no, you are going to lead my people. You I have chosen to continue this blessing to the next generation. And so this is after he's been convinced. God tells him what's going to happen. And so he kind of argues he's not qualified, but God says, no, you're going to do it. And in Exodus 6, 2, it goes on. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty. 
But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Okay, so part of what God is explaining, explaining to Moses is right now, all you're thinking about is yourself and your shortcomings and all the ways in which you're not qualified to lead my people. And he connects this idea. It's it's not just about you, Moses. The blessing and the covenant that I've shown to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, I'm giving to you. I'm commanding you. And then he tells him his name. I, I, I am the Lord. And this scripture is this way of, of it's this confidence that he's saying, you, you, as you trust in me, I am the Lord. As you trust in me, what I say will, will happen. When I say I'll provide, I'll, I'll provide. And so he's connecting this idea that it's beyond just you. It's beyond just your thought of your shortcomings. It's beyond your own fears. It's beyond of all your doubts. I will use you and I will provide you strength. I will provide everything you need to lead my people out of the Egyptians' hands. And so the story goes on in verse 5, chapter 6, and it says, Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. So he's, he's giving this, this promise. And then in verse 7, it continues. It says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. And so it continues. I am God. I am leading you. I will help you. I will provide for you. And you get this sense that God knew everything that they were encountering. He knew everything that they faced. And they were under this intense burden of slavery. We, we can't really even have a category of what that would be like. It's like pick your hardest day and multiply that. And that's what they're facing on a daily basis under this yoke of slavery in this foreign land. All the while wondering when the promise of God would come. When they would be a people that would have their own land and be able to serve the Lord there. Right now, they couldn't see any of this. And so God is reminding, I'm God, I'm in control. I will take care of you. And then in verse 9, you kind of get this further sense of what the people were facing, which is just like me and you. Moses spoke this to the people of Israel. So I'm just going to stop there. So God has told all this to Moses. And God is telling Moses, you're going to say all this to the people. It's this idea of you're going to be the messenger. Since you're the leader, you're going to be kind of my representative. I'm going to lead you as you lead the people. And so Moses comes to the people of Israel and then listen to this next part. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So they were so under it under the burdens of things that they've been faced, under their circumstances, under the doubt, under the fear, that Moses comes and he's like, well, I'm going to give it my best shot. I mean, God's convinced me, so I'm just going to talk to the people and hope I can convince them. And in verse 9, you get the sense that they really didn't buy in. The idea is like, we're done. We're broken people. Our promise is no longer here. God's forgotten about us. It's very interesting because everything that God had told 
to the people was, I have not forgotten you. I am the Lord. I know of your pain. I know of your circumstances. I know of everything that you're facing. I have not forgotten you. But our response a lot of times is still the same. God's forgotten us. It's no hope. There's disappointment. And so I want to just segue a little bit into what this means to us today, because there's this theme of of being oppressed and being in slavery and being hopeless and being just kind of under just terrible circumstances. And like I mentioned, probably none of us have ever experienced this part of a yoke of, of slavery, but we still can actually be enslaved by things today. What Jeremy mentioned before about stress and fear, fear can actually enslave us. It can overwhelm us to the point where we can't face the things that we have in our day. When we wake up and we may be thinking about going to work or trying to handle family life and trying to to juggle all of our responsibilities, we can be overwhelmed by the things that we face. And we can have the same response. It's no use. God's forgotten. I'm just by myself. I'm trying to just figure this out. So we can be enslaved by our circumstances. We can be enslaved by the fear that we experience. We can be enslaved by sin. We can all get into patterns of just doing our own thing, doing our, our own desires, seeking the things that really make sense to us. And we could be out of the will of God. We can actually be doing the very things that he's commanded us not to do. And in that, we have this emptiness. And we have this guilt. And we have this shame. All of these can enslave us as well. And so part of what you find in the scriptures as you read is you, you find these, these themes that you really want to relate to, to your own life. That's where you find a lot of hope. And the other part that happens is the same with the Israelites. All they were looking at was themselves and their resources. There's no, Moses, you're coming to us, but in case you've forgotten, we're slaves. And they outnumber us. And they have more power than us. And they put us to work. There's no way that they're going to let us go. They have a good thing here. And it's the same thing that we face as we are overcome by our circumstances, as we're caught in patterns that we feel like we want to change, but we can't change. We get to that point where we turn to self-reliance. I just need to try harder to deal with my problems. I just need to work harder. I need to think differently. I need to rely on myself. I need to try to control people so they can help me. Or I just need to isolate myself and then I feel alone and I try to do all things myself. And we get to the point where we realize I'm still stuck and I'm still in the same place I was this time last year. And it seems like I'm still in the same place that I was the year before that. And all these things happen so we get stuck and we can be just like this. where We're broken. We're broken people who want direction and want hope. But we feel like we're, we're just all alone. So that's why it's so important, this idea of God's promises. Because just like he promises to help the Israelites based on his commands and his promises, he extends that to us today. And he wants to lead us in the same way. So that's just a connection I just want to kind of tie in. And it kind of connects to this next point and what happens following. And that is God keeps working to deliver his people from slavery. Whether it's self-inflicted, whether it's by our circumstances, by our trouble, whatever we face, God still is the deliverer. He still has the power and the initiative and the resources to help. And so Moses convinces the people 
despite your doubts, despite your fears, God is going to do this because he's told me he is the Lord. He is going to deliver us from the yoke and the burden of the slavery of the Egyptians. And so if you've ever followed the story of Exodus, I'm not going to take a ton of time to do this. But one of the things that God did is he he brought judgment against the Egyptians because they were not letting his people go. And there's a series of, of plagues that God unleashed as judgment on the Egyptians, 10 plagues. And the final plague was against the firstborn males of the Egyptians. There's this idea of you, you are going to do what I say because I am God. You're going to obey me. You're going to let my people go because that's what I've commanded. And so Moses and Aaron were pleading with the Egyptians, let God's people go. That's what he's commanded. It's this idea of you don't want to come against God. You don't want to fight God and his commands. And they wouldn't. And the Pharaoh was just playing games. Like, okay, I'll let him go. And then he changed his mind. Okay, well, I'll, do, I'll do it now. And each plague would come. And finally, it got to that 10th plague of the death of the firstborn. And this represented really the, the multiplication and the generations for the Egyptians. And at that point, he surrendered and they let the Egyptians go. But there's an event that happened that brings up another theme that we've talked about. And it's the, the idea of, of sacrifice. And God commanded Moses to lead the Israelites in what is celebrated today as, as the Passover. And I just want to walk through the scripture because it represents what God does to redeem us and to, to ransom us. And this is found, fast forward in, in Exodus 12. And it says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood. That, the hyssop is like a bush. And dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel. That's like the, the top of the door and the two doorposts. That's the vertical beams with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. And then 23. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statue for you, a statute for you and for your sons uh, forever. And then in verse 25, it says, And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. This is the celebration of the Passover. And this represented the fact that he wanted all of the Israelites to mark their doors with a blood of a lamb. And his deliverance was partly involved in sacrifice. The Israelites were going to have to sacrifice this lamb to basically symbolize and to recognize that they are a part of the people of God. They belong to him. They're his people. And so they did this. And as the angel of, of death basically came over, they saw the blood on each doorpost. And the doorpost that had the blood, they, they passed over. They were spared. Their, first, their firstborns would, would continue. Their generation would, would multiply. And the reason this is important is this actually, again, ties to Jesus Christ himself. Now, if you've ever heard of Jesus called the Lamb of God, it's tied to this idea. And just like God delivered the Israelites out of the, hand of Egypt, uh, out of the hands of the Egyptians based on the sacrifice of the Lamb, he wants to deliver us from the slavery of sin 
and trouble and circumstances through the Lamb of God, who is Jesus. So the same way that they identified as his people, we identify through Jesus Christ as well. And it's this idea of, of, of a ransom. And you actually find that in First Peter. Here's like a reflection of how these two things connect. And First Peter 1 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal way, ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. This idea of ransomed, this is the price of being delivered. The price of the Israelites being delivered from the Egyptians came the same way through this lamb. Through a lamb that each family had to sacrifice. And at that point, that was like the line in the sand, like, we are your people, God. We're not going to waver. We're not going to give in to fear. We're not going to try and act like we don't identify with you or we don't belong to you. We are your people. And we're going to stand and unite together. And the tie in the New Testament to this is in the same way to be delivered from sin and the slavery that we find in it. And the fact that things are broken without God. Jesus Christ is that sacrifice. And when this scripture says ransomed, it's this idea of the payment. There's a payment that has to be paid to be delivered from the slavery of sin. And the payment found in the scriptures is through Jesus Christ. And we can experience freedom. And we can experience just this, this freedom from slavery just like, the, just like the Israelites did through Jesus Christ. And so as you read the Old Testament and you see all that God had done and all that he had remembered about his people and his promises that began with Abraham and extended to his sons, his grandsons, and then continued all the way up to Moses. As his people were caught in these horrendous circumstances, as they'd given up, their spirits broken, didn't want to move forward. You find that that God just in time delivered them. And the story continues after this has happened and the people, the Israelites were spared like I mentioned, the Pharaoh let, let them go. And so the people began on this, this trek out of Egypt. And by this time, there's actually millions of Israelites. So you can just see how God's blessing has continued. They have multiplied. They've come from Abraham to millions of people. And so sometimes you think of like them exiting. I don't know if you've ever pictured this, but they're walking, right? So think millions of people. What does that look like? You ever thought about that? You know, you're just kind of following the people in front of you and they're following the people in front of them. And Moses is way up at the front and you're not exactly sure what's going on. You're just following this, this train of people. And what happened is they got to the Red Sea, as you may know. And if you haven't, this might be like new to you. They got to the Red Sea. The people get and think, that's it. We got this far. It's over. We got out of Egypt, but now we're up against this, this sea. We, we can't get through. And at that point, their fears were confirmed when they look back and see now that the Egyptians are pursuing them again. So even after everything that had happened, the hardness of heart of Pharaoh, he still did not want to let God's people go. And so they begin to pursue the Israelites and Moses, because of what God commanded, put his staff down and the sea splits. And they walk through 
on dry land. I don't know about you, it's hard to even picture that. But again, it's showing the power of God and his promises. And those two go together. Because of God's power, we can trust that his promises will happen. They will come true. And so the people go through the Red Sea. They are delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the yoke of slavery, and God redeemed them. And again, it happened because of the sacrifice that God said was necessary to be his people. The good news for us today, we can be his people through the sacrifice that's already been done through Jesus Christ. And through Christ, we don't have to be slaves to our anxieties, to our fears, to our sin, to our doubt. We can be free. So this picture of being rescued is this picture of freedom that comes from following God and doing what he has asked us to do. Because remember, it goes back to his commands and his promises. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will deliver you. And he's provided the means for our ultimate deliverance through the person of Jesus Christ. And so I want to kind of close out our time by you just thinking, just to yourself, what are some things right now that you feel just under this, this slavery, like your circumstances or maybe some patterns that you've gotten into, some sinful things, maybe just some worry, some anxiety, some doubt, some fear, maybe just apathy, maybe just kind of, just I'm not motivated. I encourage you to, to think through what are those things that are overwhelming you and, and just burdens upon you. And then connected to that, in what ways as you're thinking, have you kind of turned into self-reliance where you've faced and you're seeing what you have on your plate, but your response is, I'm going to figure it out. I am going to take care of it. I am going to solve my own problems. I am going to get out of this mess that I put myself in. I'm going to get out of this mess that somebody else has put me in. Because what you find is, as good as our ideas are, and as good as the resources that we think we have, we still hit a point where we can't part the Red Sea. We don't have the power to walk through the things that that we face. We need the Lord Jesus and His strength to allow us to walk forward through the circumstances, through the sin, through the unknown, through the fear that we all face. But it begins with actually recognizing what that is. So I ask you just continue to wrestle with that. And as I wrap up, I want to invite the band up. There's some next steps that you can take connected to that. One is just continue in that reflection. Just ask God, is there anything in which I'm just relying on myself to handle my own life independently from God? So you might want to just continue asking him for insight. Uh, There's some next steps on the connection card as well that Jeremy had you fill out. So if you could pull that out and finish completing that, we're going to receive our offering in a moment. and You can drop that uh, in the offering as it comes by. But the first next step is accept Jesus as the substitute payment for my sin. Uh, If you've never done that, if you've never invited Jesus to be the boss of your life, 
and to recognize that he is the person that can actually help me and take me out of the things that control or overwhelm me. I encourage you to, to really consider that. Because until you make that shift to allowing Jesus to be the sacrifice needed to pay for your sin, you're going to stay on that self-reliant mode. And the second next step is to continue to rely on him to free you from the slavery of sin or your circumstances or your fear or the unknown or your doubt. You could fill in the blank. But this is the idea of I have to keep choosing faith. I have to keep choosing to rely on Jesus no matter what I face. So choose one of those next steps. And I'd love to pray for you guys as we do that this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mighty hand that leads us today. And it's the same power that that you displayed in your promise to Abraham. And it's the same power that you displayed in freeing your people just out of Egypt. And your word is true and your promises continue. So God, I ask that we will trust you. And if anyone here that has never chosen to trust your promises or explored what it means to follow you, God, I I pray that you'll give them a motivation. Because as you're the God of of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and of Joseph and of Moses, uh, you desire to be our God as well and to lead us. And so thank you for your care and your concern. You see what we deal with, you see what we do, and you still don't hold it against us because you have dealt with the slavery of sin by sending your son Jesus. And so thank you for him and the sacrificial lamb that he is so that we don't have to pay for our sin ourselves. So we thank you for the gift of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen.